That was sweet. Good morning. Good morning. We showed you the end of this week. Yeah? Because last week I got shouted down as soon as I got up, so I thought I'd have Pete and the crew just between us this morning. Don't miss regroup this Thursday at uh, 8. It's a really um, going to be a key time and so we want the young people as well, teenagers, make sure you come as well. Um, we just want as many people there um, to really connect in with our um, regrouping about strategy and vision for um, the next term ahead. It's good to be together today. This song that Pete just sang, there's a story behind it. Uh, the man who wrote that is a UK singer-songwriter by the name of Matt Redman. And uh, he's a Christian singer-songwriter and two years ago I got to hear a bit of his story. You see the minister of his church that he goes to, the pastor, um, who's also the godparent of his children, said um, at the age of seven, um, he said that Matt's dad uh, died. And as Matt was growing up, he found out some years afterwards that his dad had taken his own life. And so Matt says that when he grew, there was this question inside of him as, was I not good enough? Was I loved enough? Why didn't he hang around? And then from there it actually got worse because uh, his stepfather came on board and uh, abused him in every way imaginable. And uh, so the story goes is that there was a day in which Matt said to Jesus Christ, I want you to come into my life. And uh, he said... When he grew up, there was this amazing sense that even though his dads had let him down on earth, that there was a, a heavenly father, a heavenly dad that was always with him. And so he said he, from that point on, he wanted to commit his life to singing to that heavenly dad. And so he wrote this song, My Father's Love. It's pouring over him. This whole next term, this term we've been looking at this theme of arm's length. Uh, moving from friendly to friends. And I just want to say here this morning that if you're circling around the outside of community and maybe it's your first time here this morning and you're going, man, they're, they're talking about getting friendly and getting in on the inside, that's, that's a little bit threatening. Someone might stand up and have a conversation with me across the room. That's awkward. Um, you can stay circling around for as long as you want. That's fine. <laughs> but if someone wants to move to a place of becoming from the circling around the outside to connecting in, how, how do we do that? And... Because what I realised from Matt Redman's song here is that there is a number of people who go through their lives being bruised. And as a result of that, it's very easy to keep people at arm's length. Because there's this massive wall between you and someone else and it's called trust. <laughs> you just don't know. Is this going to be the next one who's going to let me down? And so... As we've been unpacking these past number of weeks of toward belonging, if you're someone here this morning and you go, you know what, I do want to move towards belonging to a community, to other people in relationships with others. How do I do that? We've been unpacking some things along the way. Um, firstly, someone needs to be willing. Then someone needs to turn up, turn up and turn up and turn up and be present. But then somewhere along the line, these next two things need to happen in different orders. Someone needs to open up. And then someone needs to maybe offer up, you know, I want to help out in some way, I want to practically give, maybe next week at our Engage Sunday that's a perfect thing for you because you go, when I'm giving, I feel like I'm connecting with others. But for many people, they need to have, and it's often just one person that they open up to. You know, I've heard people say before in our connect groups, in our life groups, 
You know what? I wish people would just be a little bit honest. In fact, we just skim along the surface and it's only until someone decides one night to stick up their hand and say, you know what? Life isn't perfect for me. It's hard. It's really hard. And there's almost like this sigh of relief in a group that goes, oh, finally, someone is going to be honest. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it just takes a whole group deeper. People just crying out. And then after a period of time, and for many people, it takes time. It takes a long period of time for people to feel often safe enough. Let's just keep that there for a moment, Dan. Some years ago, I was trekking in New Zealand, as you do, and uh, I was doing the Rootburn Walk with a friend, and we, we connected with this other group of um, randoms that just turned up. Uh, it was a, a three-day walk. And as we were walking along the trek, we noticed every morning when... Um, we got up, there was one particular lady who was early up more than anyone else and at the start of the day, at the start of the track, she would head out in front. Pretty much for the whole day until we stopped at different places, she was out in front or way back behind, not making any contact. There was a few times there was a, uh, one or two ladies would have some small talk conversation. And this happened like day after day after day. Well, at the end, when we're having this sort of banquet, celebrating, making the, the Rootburn Walk, having survived, uh, I just happened to be placed on the opposite side of the table to this lady who had been out in front or way back behind the whole time. She must have heard somewhere along the track that I was a minister, um, a pastor of a church, and so uh, she had a little bit of small talk, and then in the midst of that small talk, she blurted out words to this effect, I just want to know if God hates me. Whoa. Have you ever had that kind of conversation over a dinner table amongst other people, randoms that you've just kind of spent three days with? And I remember looking at her and, and sort of doing a double take and saying, well, what do you mean? She said, I got married in a church and I'm not even really a religious person. That was kind of my words. But I made some promises to someone else and to God that I would stay with my husband. And then the beatings started. And I ended up leaving him. So I want to know this of you, minister. Does God hate me? Wow. I said, well, where's the dessert menu? Can we just have something to eat here? It's a little bit awkward. And we talked. No. God doesn't hate you at all. But what struck me in that conversation and observing her behaviour over the past few days is that she was one of those persons that had been bruised and beaten by life. And the reason that she was standing arm's length from everyone else, not being able to move from friendly to friends, was because she had this massive, massive wall up in front of her, which was the trust wall. I cannot trust I don't know when the next person's going to come along that's going to fail me, going to let me down. I cannot trust. The problem with people, though, who walk around like that, and I don't blame her, that's just a natural defence mechanism and it's, it's, it's good, it's right in, in many ways. But the problem with that is that you have to manage and control so many situations. It kind of is hard work. And you cut yourself out on life. I mean, walking around like that, not being able to trust means that you also protect yourself, but you remove yourself from other relationships and actually experiencing the joy and the goodness of those things. Trust. For some battered and bruised people, 
They go around sort of hardwired, pushing people away. Whilst for others, it's just this protective mechanism and they don't even know when they're circling around, how do I actually start to move into the centre? Because the radar is so high. So two weeks ago we asked the question, are you standing at arm's length? Is that what is preventing you from going to the centre? And then last week we said, are you a welcoming person? Because it often takes someone like the choir conductor, someone who's like a pilot boat, to lead you in one relationship, one connection, one place that's safe and trustworthy and good, to lead you into community. So are you that kind of welcoming person? The question that I guess we're unpacking today is this one. Are you safe? Or are you like Phil Walker, who does these really awkward things? He stands up in the middle of the rooms and he has conversations with Sean across the... Because you know that that's not normal? We do know that, don't we? Yeah? Are you safe? Because there's many people who walk around in life kind of like this and they're just wondering, are you the kind of person that I can open up my life to or you divulge it to everyone else? Are you the kind of person that I can actually trust with who I am for my best interest without pushing something on me? Is safe. In fact, these are the values that we run around here at, at New Community, and it's particularly on a Sunday at 10 gathering, because we want people to know that if God's there and He's real, that He's relevant, we want to make our language accessible so you can get it. But we want to also encourage and foster and cheer on and champion anyone who's prepared to be authentic and real, and anyone who's prepared to open up themselves to welcome others just with a simple smile, because they're willing and open. Because they know it's hard for some people to move from arm's length. But they also know that for many people, it needs to be safe. I remember a number of years ago catching up with someone who was coming along here, no church background before, and he was kind of checking out God, and we went and had coffee together. <laughs> and the first thing he said to me as we sat down, he said, okay, so what's the agenda? <laughs> I said, what do you mean, agenda? I don't have an agenda apart from God's agenda. He said, well, I feel like I'm sort of standing in the, uh, the water's edge. My ankles are wet, but I'm looking for the sharks. I said, <laughs> You see, I get that. Because I get that in all different kinds of situations and circumstances, and you do too. Particularly if you've been burnt before by other people, you're looking for the sharks. And your radar's up and your arm's out and you're wondering, are they safe? Is there a hidden agenda? Are they being nice to me because they want something? Or are they being nice to me just because they're nice and they want to welcome me? Are you safe? Are you a safe person? You see, I find that people who are checking out God, they have two major fears, particularly when they come into a space like this. Number one, people will judge me. And number two, they will make me do something that will embarrass me. I'll be standing, they'll be sitting. They'll look to the left, they'll look to the right. I want to know what to do. They're going to make me feel unsafe. So are you a safe person? Because for someone to scoot around the outsides and move into the centre, what I find it takes is a number of people, sometimes only one person who's safe and is prepared to give time and is prepared to engage authentically and openly and honestly. Arm's length. 
In fact, the first Christian community, the first group of Jesus followers, the first church, if you like, they, they experienced this sense of meeting people that were acquaintances or strangers, but in a rapid movement of time, they actually found themselves connecting it at a core level and becoming friends and even daring to call one another brothers and sisters, not in blood, but in something bigger that had wrapped them up. And they experienced this sense of community where at the core of it there was also safety. Have a look at this. We're just going to check out this this morning. And if you're here for the first time, let's just go back up one, Dan. And if you want to get the the Bible and follow with us, you can do this on your iPhone. You can download this app and you can follow with us this morning. The section that we're going to be looking at is a book called Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Let's go on. Thanks, Dan. And this is what and described and epitomized the first community of people who followed Jesus. All the believers, I know there's a little bit, but let's just work through it. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That is the first 12 people, leaders that Jesus chose. They're called the apostles' teaching. And to fellowship. Don't you love that word? Fellowship. You can just mutter it to yourself. Fellowship. It's a very nice word, isn't it? Fellowship. Let's have some fellowship. It's a bit antiquated now, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe it's just me, but fellowship. It's just What it means is that people kind of hung out together. They shared their lives together. There was this deep sense of connection, fellowship. You can just mutter that to yourself, fellowship. And to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, that's communion, to remember life and death of Jesus, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. I love this bit. I love this bit particularly if someone is wealthier than I am. Yeah? Because it means that if you follow Jesus, you have to give up everything to me. That is not true. But they sensed this, this wonderful connection. And, and they realized that there were people who had less and some had more. And so they said, we want to share. So we all share our resources together. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Because they were generous. They were wanting to redistribute the wealth they had for people who had less. They worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for communion, the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God. That's what worship is, praising God, saying, God, you're God and I'm not. And enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, God, that is the Lord, added to their fellowship, added to their community, those who were being rescued or saved. You see, this picture right here is a, is a picture, if you like, of what a, a group of people who want to wrap themselves around Jesus a church community is actually what constitutes the activities they do. If you're here this morning and this is brand new news to you, this is going to be helpful because you're going to figure out what do those weird people do. The first thing is they do some teaching and they have some learning, just like it's happening right now here. And, and then there's some, some fellowship kind of thing. There's, there's some sharing of life together. You can do that in connect small groups around here, a number of different ways, engage Sundays, but there's this connection. It's not just coming in, as someone once said to me, they said, you know what, my church experiences are like going in to a particular place, like a restaurant, and after the meal's over, everyone spreads out like cockroaches. He says, that's my experience. You go into a particular place, and then uh, after a banquet meal, all the cockroaches just spread out and they go. There's no connection whatsoever. I said, but I found that this place is a little bit different. It's a connection. And then what happened when people were learning about Jesus, when people were actually following him and sharing their lives together, when they decided to say, God, you're God and I'm not, what happened was 
there was this new kind of community that was being formed. God's ways being formed in people's hearts and lives. And it was so radically different that other people said, I would like to have a piece of that. And so they connected in. Four things that constitutes the church. There's learning, there's community, there's worship, and there's mission. That's reaching out and saying, we're not just going to keep this good news to ourselves. We want other people to be included in it. As well, You see, some people, they look at this and they go, I love that idea of belonging. I love that idea of community. I mean, even if I don't believe the God that you believe, I love that. For some people, they go, I actually want that. And, and people will look at this and go, how can we reproduce that? They think that the community is actually the end point. They have this picture of belonging, community, going deep as being sort of standing in a circle together and holding hands really close. And, and looking into one another's eyes longingly and asking a key question. How do you feel? I mean, that's sometimes people's sort of picture of deep community, right? Guys love this particularly. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel? And that's just weird. But sharing of life is real. In fact, most other... Sporting clubs around here would cover most of these, these four things. There's some learning about a skill, there's hanging out afterwards as a group of people, there's worshipping a great shot in cricket or, or d- discovering that there's someone out there who is just awesome, worshipped like a god, Sachin Tendulkar. And, and there's other people who are recruited in. There's the key difference, though, that this community, why it so radically went from strangers and acquaintances to deeper was that there was one person who'd drawn them all together. And they would testify that he was alive and at work in them to make them safe so other people could actually connect in. See, what they discover is that community isn't the end point. It's what happens along the way when you're caught up in something bigger and greater than yourself. Safety goes a long way. My wife, a number of years ago, she was leading a group of people who were just checking out God and trying to discover who Jesus was. After about week six, this was on a Wednesday afternoon, a sort of group of women getting together. And by the way, that's okay to hold hands and stare into each other's eyes and say, how do you feel? All right? For a little while. But it's important to share life. However, after about week six, one of the ladies said, I'm going to have to go on my way home and buy a craft. And said, what do you mean? She said, well, my husband's been asking me where I've been going on these Wednesday afternoons. And I didn't want him to know that I was checking into a church kind of thing, Jesus, God thing. And so I said, I'm at a workshop. So last week he said to me, hey, honey, you've been away for the last five weeks. Where's the craft you've been building? So she said, I'm going to have to go home now and actually buy a craft on the way to show him that this and fess up that I'm finding these people, if you like, to be safe. In fact, when you ask this group of people, this, this community, this byproduct of being caught up in something bigger than themselves, if you said to them, why and how is it that you were there, they would say probably something along the lines of, I have been rebooted. Thanks, Dan. I've been rebooted. And if we back up for a moment, this is, this is the story that precedes that, that description of amazing sense of connection and community. You see, one of those apostles, one of those followers of Jesus, he was standing on the steps and, and surrounded by Jewish people from all over different parts of the known world. 
They'd come together for a festival and God had shown up and done some amazing things. They started to speak in other languages that they hadn't even learnt before. And other people around about were gathering and saying, what on earth is going on? And Peter stands up, one who had followed Jesus and known Jesus, and he said this. He said, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, because we've seen him come back to life to be both Lord and King and boss of the world and this world's Messiah and rescuer and saviour. If you ever wonder if this world needs rescuing, just hear the story of the tragedy that happened this week in a cricket oval and a crazed dad. Yeah. Ever wonder if this world needs rescuing and saving, just open up the newspapers. Violence. I mean, I don't want to paint it all bad, but... Peter stood up with a good news message and he said, if you want to be rescued from this generation, if you actually want to have the stain and the sting of sin and evil actually removed from you so you can be washed clean, if you want to actually experience a new life with God now, place your trust in Jesus. And this is what he went on to say. Each of you, he said, because they said to him, what do we do with this? We did, we crucified him, we were part of that. What do we do? And he said, each of you turn to God, that is repent, have a change of mind about who God is and who Jesus is and be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is God's Spirit coming and dwelling in people's lives. He said, this promise is to you and your children and even to the Gentiles. If you're a non-Jewish person here today, no Jewish background, you are a Gentile. That's including you as well. All who have been called by the Lord our God. You see, if you ask one of those early followers of Jesus... Why is it that you are doing all these things? Why are you redistributing your wealth? Why are you spending time sharing meals together? Why are you being friendly to me? Is there some other kind of hitch to it? Why are you being a safe kind of person around me so I can connect in and discover more about who God is? Is there some catch? (laughs) They'd simply answer maybe by saying, we've met Jesus. He is the true King and Lord and boss of this world. And when you open up your life to him, in fact, that's God's plan for you. He will come in and he will empower you by his spirit to live with fresh eyes and a new beginning. He will wash you clean. No matter what's been done to you, you will be washed clean. The power of sin and selfishness will be broken in your life and you will enter into a new family. You'll be welcome. That's our experience. If people looked at them and said, you're crazy, they'd say, come and see how we live. Surely the kingdom of the heavens has arrived here right now on earth. See how we live. Powerful. Powerful. I wonder if you're here this morning. Arm's length. And it's because you have been wounded, you have been bruised, you have been battered, and the whole thing of trust is just massive on your scale. I wonder if you need to know that there are other safe people around and you need to find some. But that Jesus is also safe. He's safe. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been let down by a church or someone who called themselves a follower of Jesus and then didn't work out. And the wall's up. And you're wondering, can I? How does that work? Or maybe you're here and you've been just wounded by someone else and relationships are awkward and difficult. I wonder if you've ever considered that there's a God in the person of Jesus who's been circling around this earth 
Seeing all the pain and the suffering that wants to rescue it. Wants to fix it. But first he wants to start by fixing people like you and I. His promise is that if you open up your life, that if you ask him to do a work in you, that he'll welcome you to his family. That his power might be at work in you to begin to trust again, to forgive, to start afresh. Because he is with you and it's what you're made for. In fact, these are the words of Jesus himself. Look, I stand at the door of your life. I'm adding this and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. We're going to listen to a song in a moment that's about belonging. It's about belonging. Maybe you've been circling around for a long time. Just arm's length. Maybe you feel like you've blown it with God. There's no second chances. That's it. I want to tell you this. It seemed with that fresh community, that new community, when a start was made, when someone reached out their hand, they were welcomed. And when they opened up their lives to Jesus, he kind of did some rebooting, some reworking. But it started with someone, if you like, putting down the arm and being prepared to take a risk and trust. Seems easy, doesn't it? It's not. So if you're here this morning and you're wondering, God, can you heal me? I believe he can. I can't. But I believe Jesus can. And I believe he's here. And if you're tired of driving the car yourself and going, you know what? (laughs) You've given life a good shot and you go, I want someone else to help me. That there is a God, there's a King, there's a Saviour. His name's Jesus. If you give your life to him, Get over into the passenger seat. Let him do some driving. He'll welcome you to his family for eternity. Begin to empower you. Maybe do some healing work over time. But you discover that in him is life. The one you were made for. The one you were designed for. Moving from arm's length. Are you a safe person here today? What would it require for you to be a bit more open and vulnerable and authentic so other people can go, I can trust you because I can see the cracks in your eyes. I trust people with cracks in their eyes because it's no longer just glossy and perfect. It means that life's real. What does it mean for you to be someone who's safe? Lindy's going to sing a song in a moment. It's called I Belong. I belong to you. It's this song saying, God, I belong to you. Or I want to belong to you. And as she does, I've got all these cool little crosses down here. (laughs) You could wear them. I wonder as she sings, if you just want to say, Jesus, 
I belong to you. And you just want to, I want to be reminded of this. Come and take one. Or maybe for you this morning, you have been at arm's length to God. Arm's length. Is he trustworthy? Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door of your life and I knock. But you see, the door handles on the inside. You get to make the choice. You have to open up the door. Welcome him in. Some people will say, I have to have it all together to do that. I have to be perfect. He goes, no, no, no. That's why Jesus died. You don't have to be perfect. But he'll be at power at work within you to live a way that God's designed and made you to be. As Lindy sings, if you just want to come maybe for the first time or maybe coming back to God and say, I want to follow you. I want to let down the wall. I want to trust again. Why don't you come and take one of these? You can hang it somewhere, put it in your pocket, take it with you as a sign. Jesus, I started again with you today. Did you do that? Did you do that? Have a listen to these powerful words. Just want to reflect. If you want to come and stand to your feet, come and take one of these, please do. So allow God to speak to you. And act. Act.